Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. Uh, well, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm excited to have a good friend, uh, Andy McNair, here on the show today because she is someone who I just think is a, a very creative thinker and someone who sees education through a lens that I've just always appreciated. Uh, and so I'll let her do her own introduction here in a second, but uh, I'm just thrilled to be able to have this conversation. So looking forward to it, Andy. So welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm super excited to be here. I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation for sure. Yeah, give us a little bit of your background for anybody that doesn't know you, I guess, if you don't mind. And then uh, uh, we'll kind of talk remote learning and explore uh, some of the cool thoughts that, and things I've seen on your blog and everything else. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about how we can contact you and, and the work that you're doing. Absolutely. So I am, during the day, my day job is I am a digital innovation specialist uh, slash gifted and talented specialist at ESC Region 12. Uh, we have service centers here in Texas. There are 20 of them. And so uh, that, and then also have the opportunity usually to get to travel and share. I love to talk about things like passion-based learning, genius hour, uh, meaningful technology, and then really just designing meaningful learning experiences. So I was in the classroom for 16 years, was a traditional teacher for about 10 of those years, and then was able to connect with some very cool people that really changed my mindset and helped me realize what education could be. Everything changed. And from that point on, it's just been, I'm just super passionate about sharing that with other educators and helping them find that place as well. And that's what this podcast really is, is about. It's trying to find ways to just share good ideas that will inspire other people and, and particularly, uh, I think, help them through this time. You know, I, I want to start the pot off by saying that we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit of shop here today about remote learning, but we want to recognize, too, the tremendous work that educators have done up to this point with, I call it emergency remote learning, <laughs> where we just have shifted there out of necessity. And um, hopefully everybody's taking care of themselves. Mental health and, and self-care is so important right now. Uh, and in the midst of that, too, I think that creative thinking is also important. And I think for some folks, it is healthy to have something to sort of focus on that is positive, that can help kiddos out. And so our conversation will kind of tend towards that dialogue a little bit. And so with all that context kind of front loaded and said, Andy, how, how are you sort of processing this current moment and the shift that we've seen here recently to remote learning? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, I just want to echo your thoughts about educators are doing so much right now. And man, we've been thrown into a situation in which best practices didn't exist, right? I think that's the first <laughs> thing we have to acknowledge is there wasn't a manual. We, there were no best practices around remote learning during a pandemic. So I think one of the messages I've really been trying to share is that regardless of what you're doing, I think our intentions are good. And so that's enough, right? Everybody's doing it differently. And that's because... We weren't set up for this. It's exactly what you said. It's emergency remote learning. It's not even just remote learning. And so I think that acknowledgement is really important that we're all doing the best we can and that, that that's enough right now. Um, mm -hmm. But then as we kind of get into this and we start having opportunities to think about it, what does it look like? And I, I think like most educators have laid awake at night and thought, what, what does this look like? Or how do we do this in a way that makes sense for everyone? Because I think that's another piece of it, too, that the players that are involved, right? It's not just students and educators. It's student educators. And now parents are involved in that educational experience in a way that they've never been involved before. Just so much more so. So that being said, 
Um, I think two things. One, we have to simplify learning, which is probably something that we needed to do anyway, so that's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Just that idea of, of really looking at learning in its truest form, and I think authentic connections play a big role in that. So those two things are really things that I've been focused on. How do we simplify learning and how do we prioritize those authentic connections so that this becomes something that doesn't just happen now, but it's something that we can carry back into the classroom when we return on that amazing day. It's going to be awesome. But oh, <laughs> uh, I'll be ready for that when that comes around for sure. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, you know what? And we're doing this off the cuff. Let's just talk about simplifying then. So where have your thoughts been? Because when I hear that, I guess to kind of set this up, um, some of the conversations that I've been a part of have suggested finding ways to Oh, do that cross-curricular thing, right? So how can we start to, instead of giving a um, separate math and a separate English assignment, do something that is a little, goes a little bit deeper but has elements of both? And I understand that you got to weigh that with the fact that, well, we don't want people to have to create all new things. <laughs> so I, we're sensitive to those demands at, at this time. But yeah, what does like simplify look like, I guess? I think first of all, it's just simplifying um, lesson design, or I like to call them experiences. You know, how do we simplify those experiences into something that makes sense? And so before this happened, I always talked about designing experiences. I remember when I heard, heard Dave Burgess for the first time talk about designing experiences, and it made so much sense. And so I've always kind of talked about that from the perspective of engaging your students as soon as they come into the classroom, designing an experience that they're willing to invest in and then empowering them to make those connections beyond the walls of the classroom. And so when this all happened, I just couldn't figure out what that looked like for remote learning. And I think I think I finally figured it out. And, and you know, I've always suggested that as a daily experience. So daily, you should engage experience and empower. But I almost think now that could be a weekly plan, right? Because now more than ever, we have to get them to that willingness to invest. I think as we're seeing the percentages of kids who are not investing in this at all, um, who are not engaging and just not logging on and their teachers haven't heard from them, that brings up that conversation again of that need to get them to that willingness to invest. And that's the engage piece. Um, and really focusing on that for a weekly experience. And then that experience is the opportunity to learn, right? Here's the content, but it still has to be done in a way that's going to leave an impression because that's the definition of an experience. It leaves an impression. And then that empower piece, which is more important now than ever, just like engage those connections that they can make. And I think that's where we have to help the parents understand that those connections don't have to be made in a traditional school way, right? They could be made through a board game. They could be made on a walk in the kitchen, watching a, you know, playing a video games have so many aspects to them. If there's a story, there's a setting, there's a plot, all of those things, but it's being intentional. And I think simplifying through those three pieces weekly makes sense to me. That doesn't mean it makes sense to everyone else, but it helps me kind of wrap my head around how we can solve some of the problems that we're seeing right now. Oh, and that, that's the kind of creative thinking that I was hoping we'd be able to, yeah, I love, this is the whole point of this conversation because my mind is just constantly, I've been saying to myself, how do we think outside of brick walls and bell schedules? <laughs> and because now we can utilize outside at any time, 
yeah, you can, you know, go into the kitchen and make shift, get some supplies together, you know, for some sort of uh, science experiment that might just really be a recipe <laughs> or, uh, or something along those lines where, yeah, there, there are just elements at play that are not typically there. And so the thought that we need to kind of can or package things into 30 minute time increments and have those ready to roll, uh, it it's, has shifted. Uh, and so it's cool to kind of think about that. And the tough part I think is, is that you can't guarantee that any certain resource or set of resources will be there. Um, but even with my own son at six, they did number sentences um, where they ha had to go out and take pictures outside on a device or something. And, and so they have the one that, that came home with their one-to-one -one initiative. And it was just cool to uh, watch him go out and look for numbers, you know, <laughs> on our walk yes. uh, and to kind of create that piece along the way. And, and so that's, that's something that is simple, but it does, you know, t become an experience when you're doing it like that. And that's part of the conversation too, I think, is how do we keep from having four hours of screen time while we're having these learning experiences as well. I have teenagers at my house, so we have a senior. So this has been really difficult to have a senior, but we also have a sophomore and a seventh grader. And so screen time has been a big conversation at our house. So you've got to do, you've got to do some learning outside of screen time, you know, making those connections. But again, it's just being intentional about that and making it a priority. But I love what you said about, you know, it's, we're not going to be able to, this is not school, right? We have right. to first acknowledge that this is different, but it doesn't mean that the learning experience can't still exist. And so I think what's happening is our learners are starting to see if we do this right, they will start to realize that school is simply a dedicated place where learning happens. But the reality is that learning happens everywhere, right? And it happens all the time. And, and it's the education it's an experience. It's not a place. It is an experience. And, and I think through valuing those connections and making this very authentic, that's where we're going to start plugging those pieces in. And, and even the relationships with the parents, how long in education have we said how much we wanted that home to school connection <laughs> to be a priority? Well, here we are. I mean, this is a perfect chance to do it. So Right. Would you, as you're talking, the word intentionality just jumps out to me and that like, that yeah, that the opportunity to learn is ever present. It's the degree to which you're able and consistently willing to tune in to the lessons that life and the day to day provide you, right? Um, to like seize those moments and and process that in a meaningful way. And I, I I've been very grateful on, on the home front here. Every night we watch a movie. Uh, and my in high school English teacher background, we are pausing that sucker all the time. And we're going, what do you think about this? And did you, and this idea of making connect? And I, I love it. Like my kids get a little annoyed with it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think there are teachable moments that um, even under the same roof every day, you can <laughs> capitalize on. And, um, and there is something, so I'll, I'll transition here to that is authentic. You see, I did that about that. So that's also your second piece. So what would you say, I mean, maybe in that vein, or where's your thinking been around the authentic aspect of this? I'm, I, if we're a Venn diagram, there's crossover. So I'm sure it's some of the things we've already talked about, but. Yeah, no, I think there are so many crossovers, but I think that authentic piece is about really when we are designing experiences, whether it's in the classroom or it is for this remote learning thing that's happening right now, it's about what, you know, that whole word intentionality, it's about helping parents understand that just like you said with movies, pausing it and asking questions, asking them to make predictions. You know, I sat down and actually went through the three E's and designed an experience for my daughter because I just wanted to know what it felt like to do that 
and I wanted to see how she reacted to it. And I think one of the things that really stood out to me was how easy it was to make those cross-curricular connections that you mentioned earlier. It was very natural to do that, but we haven't done that because that's not how school is set up. It's not that as educators, we can't do that or we don't know how to do that. It's just that the way we've played the game, one of the rules is those are all separate. Do that. <laughs> yeah. That's not how it works. But now that we are in this space where that can be how it works, starting to see how easy it is to make those connections. For example, um, one of her, we're in Texas, so we, our standards are the TEKS, and um, one of her social study standards, they were gonna be studying the hurricane of 1900. Um, well, one of her science standards was catastrophic events. Well, my gosh, I mean, that's perfect. Those things go <laughs> hand in hand. And then we were able to do some things around wind speed, and then we used Wonderopolis for the reading and vocabulary. So it was really easy to design a weekly experience for her to go through those three pieces, engage, experience, and empower, but it wasn't, it wasn't a stretch. It seemed very authentic. The connections were easy to make, and she was able to go through it and really, I think, reach a level of understanding that, quite frankly, she would never get from a worksheet, and I think that's what we have the opportunity to do here, for those connections to not seem like, well, we're doing this because we have to, or we're doing it because it's gonna be on a standardized test at the end of the year, we're doing it because the connections are clear and this is an opportunity for you to not just learn it on that surface level, but to really reach that deep understanding where you can do something with it. I, I love all that. <laughs> That's like, I, um, gosh, just thinking about a, an experience I'm going through now with, I have a student who is autistic and mm -hmm. he got to choose right before we left the novel that he wanted to read and, and the, the title is The Reason I Jump. Uh, it is written by an English writer who interviewed and tried to relay as best he could the story from an autistic boy of being experience of being autistic, like his perspective. And so this senior in my class has built, I sort of put a Google site together and prompted questions. And so he has kind of gone through and this is going to be a, um, something that we put in the book that goes in the library, <laughs> like a little link to his Google site of him kind of advocating for this work. Um, the connections he personally made and the things that, that were maybe deviated from his experience. And it was authentic in the fact that we, and hopefully we hear back from him, we reached out through Twitter to the author in hopes that, that, that our student can interview this gentleman and we can record that and have it on the main page. And, yeah. um, and it's cool because I think in class, I don't know if we would have had, we would have the time and I'd like to think that we would have gotten to that, but I think it's been really good for our student to have that avenue and that's been just a really cool uh, learning opportunity that I can tell he's like I watch right he's updating it every day gives him something to kind of work on um, I'm getting choked up just talking about it. that story does choke me up <laughs> that's I, know, I get it I'm with you I think that's so true and I think it's because I think we're getting to really see what educators are capable of doing. Like so many of us have known for so long that we were meant to design experiences. That is, that is what we do. And I think so many teachers take what they have to do in the classroom and design experiences in spite of all those things. So if they can do it with all of those things on top of them, imagine, I mean, we're getting to see what so many of them are able to do when they are given the freedom and they have, and I totally get that there's, not just a lot of extra time because now communicating with parents and all of that, but there is a little more time to really think through and be more intentional about what we're doing and what we're sending home. And, and I think through that, 
we're beginning to see, because I've had so many teachers as, as I go around and share and meet amazing people. One of the things that I hear often is Andy, I love the idea of experiences. I'm just not sure I know how to design an experience. And one of the things I always say to that is it is as simple as asking yourself, will this leave an impression on my learners? And if it will do it, if it won't, don't, right? It's that simple. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think we're starting, educators are starting to realize, oh my gosh, this is something not only that I can do, but something that I really am good at and like to do. And it has the potential to really let us see some opportunity here versus one of the things that I've said a lot, um, is that we can see this right now as an opportunity or an obstacle. And it's definitely an obstacle. I mean, it's something we're gonna have to overcome, but there are lots of opportunities here. One being those authentic connections, one being those, uh, the homeschool connections. So I think, I think we're beginning to, as we watch this play out, starting to see the opportunity to move the needle forward as far as education goes, which is exciting. <laughs> it is exciting and it's, and I think I look to the summer as being a an opportunity, not necessarily June, but like by by July, should we come back and be in this setting? Um, I hope um, that that gives every educator a chance to catch their breath and to look back at this time and go, we we were tremendous in that space, and we uh, realized a couple of things were possible. I, I hope. I always like at the end of a school year to try stuff out just to see if it's going to work <laughs> for the next go around. Uh, and so I hope people right now get a chance to kind of use this time for some of that. And I, I just am excited to see what all the, our collective creative brains are going to be able to do should we end up in August and, and into the fall needing to function in this space. Uh, I think it's just going to be tremendous. The innovative creative thinking that we're going to see play out in, in how we design those experiences is something I'm really looking forward to. Uh, is there anything, uh, kind of maybe last question here. I know you just wrote on this idea of, of pivot. And so I might just kind of like give you the floor to talk about that blog post. I really appreciated it. And yeah, kind of share that message if you would. I'm glad you brought that up. So that's really a word that I've been thinking about a lot lately is, is pivot and, and being willing to pivot because it is a willingness. So much of this is that it's a willingness to see it through, you know, a different lens, that types of thing, that type of thing. But when I first thought of the word pivot, I thought of um, the episode of friends where Ross is yelling at Chandler, to yep. pivot. but it's because he can see that they're backing into a corner. And so I think, I think one is to acknowledge all of the different perspectives that are at play here, parents, students, and educators, and to be willing to listen to each other and pivot when we need to pivot. And that does not mean that we are changing direction. You know, the whole definition of pivot is to move around a central point. So if that central point is authentic learning or authentic connections, all we're doing is moving around that central point. That doesn't mean we're leaving, losing focus of where we're going or what we want to accomplish. But like I said at the very beginning of this podcast, we didn't have best practices in place for this. So it's okay to say, you know what, we thought this was gonna work, but based on the feedback we're being given, you know, we've gotta, we've gotta pivot here. And, and I'll just end in saying that I was talking with my friend Carrie Espin and we were talking about um, a seesaw and I wrote about this in the blog post, but that pivot point on a seesaw um, for so long as educators, we've been the ones, our weight has, has really controlled the seesaw. We've been able to control the learning. 
And when this happened, the seesaw shifted on that pivot point, and now <laughs> we're in the air, and they're in control. Peter dangling. You can't touch the ground. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. Everybody knows what I'm talking about right now. It's what it feels like. <laughs> like, what is happening? And they're in control. We're waiting for that back and forth. And so a seesaw is only fun if you have that give and take, right? The I give up control, you give up control. I give up control. And so when that begins to happen, I think that's when we're really going to start seeing our students and our learners invest in the learning and be willing to make these authentic connections that we as educators know are so important. So I, th I think that's a big piece of the whole pivot, just being willing to adjust and being willing to give up some of that so that it is a give and take. Yeah, and I'll sew that together with that intentionality piece too of, I my thinking has really been stretched regarding like how how do authentic relationships and those connections that are essential to to learning right that whole idea uh, I'm gonna botch the quote here again but that no authentic learning can happen without an authentic relationship I, I maybe got that switched around I probably should cite who has my but um, I've seen that in my own children they they've done a pretty decent job getting through like the shift to learning in this way kind of being online. Uh, and and now uh, my son's teacher has done a great job of posting videos every day of just what's going on in his world and here's his cat and here's like uh, his newborn um, daughter and and that's been really I think important for my son to still feel like this is a person that I'm interacting with not just a page uh, and I also found to them just myself thinking about how important it is for peers to be learning together Oh, and this is where your comment got me thinking away from necessarily that the teacher being the one that's driving that um, think pair share is great. And it's really hard to do the pair part of that in this format. Yes. And I'd love to like think about how to how do we start to do that to where they we can trust them to work together, maybe w without it being under the Zoom supervision of an adult too, maybe not even on collaborative group assignments, but just the opportunity to be in focused dialogue around the learning. So I don't know if that sort of hits your brain anyway. That I think that comes exactly into play with the whole willingness to invest. When they're willing to invest in the learning, they'll begin to do things like that. They'll begin to talk about the learning in pairs, in, you know, in their conversations outside of school. Right. And it's meaningful to them. If it's not meaningful, they're never going to do that. They never were going to do that. So that's a, that's a great conversation for sure. So when the experience is simplified and authentic, yeah. then those other things will start to happen with some intentionality, but naturally as a result of the quality of that experience going up in its meaningfulness. Yeah, right? I, for sure. yeah I, think, I think thinking through, I always want to say that I don't ever want to suggest when I put the graphic out there for the three E's and I created the website, I always want to say, you know, like I said, there are no right answers for this and it's going to look different for everyone. And I'd never want to suggest that it's easy or that, you know, all of these things are just check, check, check. There's so many things that come into play, but I think it's a starting place. And I think what's cool about this way of thinking, that whole engage experience and empower and that simplification is that that's something we can take back into the classroom when we return, right? So we could go right back to this being a daily way that we operate when classes continue. So I think, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, that's how I wrap my mind around it. And it makes sense to me. Um, and I've heard from several educators who have, I heard, I heard from a teacher recently in Scotland who's using the model and she's using Wakelet. Um, I used Flipgrid. Oh, yeah. our experience. And it's just, it just does exactly what you, it's simplifying, 
so that they're able to make those authentic connections. And I think, I think in doing so, we're going to start to have some type of, um, at least something that makes sense versus just throwing a bunch of things at the wall and seeing what sticks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Well, thanks for taking the time to hold the conversation around this today, because I think that the critical part for all of us to grow in this space is just to start to talk through it. And so, like, as you said, none of us should have any answers (laughs) at this point. I, I don't think any of us pose um, as if we do, other than to just say, hey, here, here are some great things that I'm seeing. This is the type of thinking we're trying to apply to this. Um, and let's learn from each other and, and grow in those ways together. And that's why I reached out and was hopeful we could be able to chat because I know you're somebody who, uh, as a thought leader that I, I just have been really grateful uh, to always get a chance to learn from. And so uh, thanks for taking the time. And, and I hope this conversation meets um, some people who are really uh, in that headspace where they're trying to think through this stuff and uh, can be a part of this conversation with us by applying that thinking to what they're doing. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what it's going to have to be is a conversation. So I was so thankful for you for reaching out and just giving me the opportunity to share and collaborate with you. I think that's what has to happen right now. We have to be willing as educators to collaborate, have these hard conversations and um you know, it, it's all, it is all going to be okay. I, one of the, as we wrap up, one of the, one of the things I tweeted recently was just about, this is like an obstacle course, right? We talked about it being an obstacle and there will come a time when we, right now we're in the middle of it. And anytime you're in the middle of a marathon, I don't know, I don't run. I'd like to pretend that I do. I don't, but I would imagine that when you're in the middle of a marathon or you're in the middle of an obstacle course, there's that place where it gets really hard and you don't feel like you can keep going. And it's looking you know, you look back and think, oh my gosh, I cannot go one more obstacle. And then another one pops up, but you do. And at some point you get to the end of that. And if we do this right, when we get to the end of this obstacle course and air quotes, when we get to the end of this obstacle course, we're going to be able to look back and realize how much we've overcome and how much better we are for it. So, and that's going to be a really exciting time, I think for us as educators, but for now, all we can do is have the conversations and be willing to do whatever it takes to do what's best for our learners. Oh, I totally agree. Andy, that's, <laughs> I could not agree more. Just approaching all that with humility and, and trying yeah. to, to learn from one another constantly. And what, what an awesome like thought too, uh, as you're speaking, just thinking about the level of grit and tenacity that this is fostering yeah. uh, in us for when we get back, that it will only elevate everything to a, even higher heights. So uh, I agree, I agree. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. I'm super grateful. Um, And so hopefully we'll we'll get a chance to hear from you again soon. Oh, real quick, let people know where they can continue to be a part of your story. (laughs) Well, you can find everything that I talked about and so many other things that I blog about and write about. And again, it's just where I put my thoughts. They're not always right. They're just my thoughts. (laughs) Um, At andymcnair.com. It's A-N-D-I mcnair.com so you guys check it out and connect you can always send me a message and i would love to continue the conversation with anyone who is interested definitely and i'll be doing that as well so thank you so much for your time today yes thank you